everybody's here. We made it through half of the week, right? Yay! Thank you, Jesus. We're going to get refreshed tonight, right? We're going to get ready to do the rest of the week, and we're all going to come back on Sunday, right? Okay, if I can get everybody to stand up with me, we're going to go ahead and do our USA confession and just confess good things over the United States of America. Okay, here we go. Ready? Ready? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay. You guys can be seated. I've got some announcements for you guys, okay? we got a bunch of things going on. Um, if you're wondering where Pastor Dave and Pastor Katie are, they're still in at-home quarantine. They are doing great, and they will be back next Sunday, okay? So praise the Lord. Everybody's doing great. Um, the children's Christmas play practice has officially started. I'm so excited about this. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I love Christmas. Um, it is very important that your child is here at every service if they have a part in the Christmas production. That way they can learn. They know their parts. They know the songs. They know their cues. They know everything that's going on. We have a short period of time to teach these kids what to do and how to do it, okay? This is also so important because these kids get to minister to our family members that aren't safe. It's a big deal, right? These children work so hard, but basically the, the reason why they work so hard to do what they do is to help tell people that the reason for Christmas is not Santa Claus, it's not the presents you get, but the real reason for Christmas is Jesus, and he's our gift, right? And so it's important that you invite your family members that aren't saved. You invite those aunts and uncles and cousins to come out and see these kids perform. But I encourage you, please make sure that you're at every service so that the kids are prepared and they know what they're supposed to do, okay? They work really hard, and every year this Christmas program is always amazing. These kids do a great job, and um, I'm proud to be a part of this church and see these kids do those things. Also, this Sunday, guys, this Sunday, say this Sunday, is our Thanksgiving pigeons. We're going to have some good food, but most importantly, we're going to hang out as a family, right? We're going to hang out. We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to spend some time together, and we're going to eat some good food. Speaking of that, um, I'm going to pass the sign-up sheet, sign sheet around again. We only, we still need some meats, um, some mashed potatoes, some sides, and some salads, okay? So we, um, if you're able to bring those things, those are the things that we are in need of. Remember that you are bringing enough for your family and enough to share, right? Because we want to make sure that there's enough food for everybody. And 
And on those pitch-ins, we have extra people that come in, and we want them to feel loved and appreciated, even if they weren't able to bring anything. So let's be a blessing, right? Also, with that being said, on Sunday morning, you will come in, try to be as early as you can, and you will bring your food straight to the kitchen, and you will see Renee. Renee, raise your hand. You will see Renee, okay? Renee will collect your food. If you have any special dishes that you love, that you're bringing, that you're letting us use, any bowls, please mark your names on them, okay? Because what happens is we end up with a lot of extra dishes that don't belong to us after these things. So we want to make sure that you get your product back, right? Okay. Also, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday on November 28th at 6 p.m., is the Christmas came early party. Like I said, I love Christmas. Come on, guys. I love Christmas. I'm super, super, super excited about this because, again, we just get to hang out, have fun, eat some cookies, and enjoy each other's company, right? We ask that every family bring one dozen of cookies. They can be homemade. They can be store-bought. But one dozen of cookies Um, drinks will be provided and there is a gift exchange okay so each adult that wants to participate age 15 and up they need to bring a wrap a wrapped gift and it cannot be more than five dollars okay we don't want you to spend more than five dollars on that gift and if you have a child who wants to participate in the gift exchange that gift you only have to spend a dollar on so go to the dollar store and get something cool there pick it up and wrap it okay so that's our announcements. We've got some really cool things going on. We're super, super busy, but just super, super excited to get to hang out with our church family, right? And with that said, it is tithes and offering time. And I did have a Bible up here, but I don't know where it went. It's not here anymore. I yeah, I see the Bible. Sorry, guys. Okay, so it is happy time. Thank you. Sorry, I did have a Bible up here. Somebody moved it. And we are going to go to um, Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. And does anybody know why we call happy time happy time? I heard Susan, but does anybody else in this building besides Susan know why we call happy time happy time? Because God loves a cheerful giver, right? God looks at our heart. He looks at how we are um, feeling about giving, right? And I don't know about you guys, but it is I do. It is um, super exciting to be able to bless others. It is super exciting to be able to give into others, right? So Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And just really quickly, I want to talk about that, right? Because there's tithes and then there's giving, right? Tithes is something that we do because we love Jesus and we honor Jesus. And he he asks that we give him 10% of whatever we make, right? So tithes is a heart condition. It's something that we do to honor the Lord and show him that we're grateful for that. But then we also have giving and seeds that we plant, right? If you're believing for something, you're believing for a new car, you're believing for a job, you're believing for a house, whatever you're believing for, 
you should be giving some kind of seed into that, right? Whether it be a dollar, whether it be, you know, whatever, you give some kind of seed into that, right? If I go and say, over here, I am planting an orchard, right? And by next year, I expect all these apple trees to grow, but I didn't put any seeds, water, fertilizer, or anything into the ground to help these apple trees grow. Am I going to have my apple orchard? No. And it's the same thing with God. It's the same thing in our giving. It's the same thing in that, right? You have to give something. You have to do something, right? And so it's important that we give, but also that we give with a grateful heart, right? We give above and beyond because God's blessed us to do so, right? God wants us to be blessed. It's his will that we have more than enough, right? That's why in our financial confession, we say we have more than enough to take good care of our families, right? That's God's will. That's the Bible. But we have to make sure that we're doing our part and we're sowing. And we're, you know, um, I even write on my envelope, you know, thank you, Lord, this is my seat. You know, thank you, Lord. And I have made it a point to try to put something in every offering, whether it's a dollar, whether it's 50 cents, above my tithes and my offerings, right? I mean, above my tithes. I try to make sure that I am now making sure that I put a dollar, I put 50 cents, whatever, whatever I, I can towards my giving because I know that there's things that I need in my life. I know that there's things that, you know, um, needs that I have. And that if I'm giving and I'm sowing, that just like this says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, my needs are going to be met. Okay? So with that being said, we are going to go ahead and say our financial faith confession. Are we ready? Okay. As we bring the Lord's tithes and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, gifts, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, go ahead and come up and give your tithes and your offerings. Let's all stand up if we can. And feel free to join us at the altar as we worship the Lord. Let's sing. If there's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing is not what I'm seeking. Like it's the air I'm breathing, I want your presence, feet on the earth, a heart full of heaven's zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. Your spirit, more than a feeling. I don't need 
every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, hopeless situation and turn it around for our good. So let's just sing these words together. You take You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good. Let's sing that again. Let's take it up. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Turn it for good. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you. Sing that again. Cause I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you. One last time, just raise our hands. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Sounds so good. Sing it one more time. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord, that your word says that you always cause us to triumph in your name. And not only that, Lord God, you said that 
If we'll just keep calm and trust in you, you'll fight our battles for us, Lord God. So we just thank you, Lord, for that, that we're just going to cast all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our anxieties on you, Lord God, because we know that you care for us, Lord God. And as long as we get out of the way and let you do your thing, that it's all going to turn out for our good, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord, and we praise you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you can be seated. All right. Well, tonight uh, I'm actually pulling double duty. <laughs> because uh, as you heard, uh, Pastor and Mrs. P are out of town. They, uh, they just uh, sold their house and they're in the process of moving to a new house. So it just so happened that they had already had a, a, a week in Big Bear plan. So it works out since they don't have a house to stay in at the moment. So they are up there uh, vacationing since they don't have a house until they close next week, I think. Uh, and then uh, Pastor Dave, uh, it, they are, they're almost ready. In fact, I'm not going to – I have to be honest with you because we're in church. He told me a few days ago, he's like he's – like, and they, they started calling me Pastor Josh. So I'm really starting to get used to that. He's like, Pastor Josh, I need you – to have a sermon ready for this Wednesday on the off chance that I can't be there. And I'm like, I, I, I can't lie because I'm in church. So I was thinking to myself, he's going to be there. There's no way he's not going to be there. And then uh, he called me like last night. He's like, I'm not going to be there. I need you. You got that sermon ready, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I totally got a sermon ready. Um, and so I need you all to pray for me tonight because since we're in church, I did not totally have the sermon ready. But we won't tell Pastor Dave that. As far as, oh, he's what? He's probably watching, huh? Well, mute the camera for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I've had this sermon ready. I studied and prayed on it for like the last three months. Just, no. Um, but <laughs> I pray that this sermon blesses you nonetheless, despite, uh, there's, uh, every time, you know, every time I'm talking to my worship team and we have a bad practice, I tell them that uh, the scripture says that it's in our weakness that the Lord is, is made strong. So usually when we have our worst practices is when we get to the service and it's the most powerful because we're not relying on ourselves. We're relying on the Lord. And so that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm relying on the Lord. So um, let's go ahead and get into the word. So uh, just follow along for just a minute. My brother must be saying crazy stuff on... Oh, he's, see, my brother's praying for me from home. I appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Uh, <laughs> make me lose my train of thought. Uh, though, um, but here we go. Let's, let's get into the word. So the first minute, just bear with me. But back in the day, like back in like the 60s and 70s, there was this famous comedian named Flip Wilson. And uh, Tom was telling me he's heard of him before, probably some of the older people have and then i do because my dad would always watch those old shows when i was a kid but there was this comedian named flip wilson and one of his most famous uh, bits was that he would have this person that would go around doing bad stupid mean things and whenever people would call him out and say you know what why are you doing that stupid stuff he'd say well the devil made me do it and so uh just just bear with me for a minute i've asked the uh, media team to just play a, a really really quick video clip of what i'm talking about so uh, if you can hit that real quick and turn the volume up nice and loud. Came in the house, she had the box. Rev saw it. Rev said, what, another dress? So this is ridiculous. Three dresses in a week? 
another dress? And she tells him, I didn't want to buy this dress. The devil made me buy this dress. She said, I was going down the street. I was minding my own business, singing to myself. I said, what you said? And the devil stopped following me, telling me how good I look. Rev said, I'm not going for that. He said, because every time you do something wrong, you blame it on the devil. So said, you blamed it on the devil when you ran the car under the side of the church. She tells him, it was the devil. You wasn't there. How do you know? So he grabbed that steering wheel out of my hand. Rev said, well, why didn't you step on the brake? She tells him, because when he grabbed the steering wheel, I tried to kick him. I can't kick him and step on the brake at the same time. Said we had a big fight. That's why I was in the back seat when y'all got the call. Yeah. So sorry, you just have to bear with me sometime. But uh, it's a funny video. But I know that there, deep down, there's a lot of people who think that they're not always in control of their actions, that they can't control it. Um, and so, uh, for anyone uh, who struggles, who falling into the same sins and the same temptations over and over again, um, I want to take tonight just a look at our feelings and our motivations. And so uh, the title of my message tonight is uh, The Devil Didn't Make Me Do It. And I I don't know where I found that graphic. <laughs> Ignore the graphics. <laughs> the devil didn't make me do it. But um, let me say a quick prayer, and then we'll get into the word together. So, uh, Father God, in Jesus' name, I just ask, Lord, tonight that even as we have a little bit of fun, that you'd still help me to speak your word, Lord, and and not speak of my own strength, but to speak uh, of you, Lord God. Uh, because when I'm speaking your word, you've promised us that your word doesn't return void. It always accomplishes what you have it to uh, send it out to accomplish. So uh, help us to just have fun tonight, but ultimately to hear and learn from your word. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you can, actually, let's have you turn real quick uh, to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. And uh, as I was reading, I was studying, I did, I'm not, I did study for my sermon a little bit, but as I was, I was reading this scripture, I was like, I told my oldest son, I said, Hedemius, come over here. I want to read this scripture to you. And so I read it to him. He's like, oh, dad, I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> so at least we have Hedemius seal of approval. Um, yeah. And he's, every time I'm preaching, he always sits down here. He's probably coloring and not paying attention. Yeah. He's got, he's got a bunch of crowns. I'm sure that he's. He's secretly listening to every word I'm saying, just like he does whenever I'm telling him to do something at home. So. Um, <laughs> but here we go. In fact, this scripture kind of goes right along those lines. Uh, Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31, it says, um, <laughs> but he, uh, Jesus is telling a parable here. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. But the son answered, no. I won't go. But later, he changed his mind and went anyway. Uh, verse 30. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. So which of these two obeyed his father? And let's ask you guys the same question. Which of these two obeyed his father? The second one? I think... I think it's the first one who actually did uh, what Jesus said. It says, oh, wait. 
Hedermius, oh yeah, he did say number one. When I read him the scripture, I said, Hedermius, who obeyed? He said the first one. And I said, why did he obey? Because he's like, he changed his mind and actually did what his dad wanted him to do. So uh, so Jesus, uh, which of these two obeyed his father? And they replied, the first. And then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you do. And the ironic thing is that when he was talking to these people, he was talking to a bunch of religious people who thought that they were all holy and spiritual. And he said, you guys think you're spiritual because you always say the right thing. But honestly, evil pe- you know, people we would think of as evil are going to get into heaven before you do. And so uh, let's just talk about this for a minute tonight. That's my uh, first point I want to talk about is that um, our feelings – sorry, that's my graphic again. I don't know where I found it. Our feelings – do not have to motivate us. And honestly, your feelings are completely irrelevant. They do not matter. Now, uh, our culture tells us that we always need to follow our heart and our feelings. And I was thinking about this, uh, and I think that chick flicks are the absolute worst for this. And my wife knows uh, the disdain I have for chick flicks, so... On top of being mind-numbingly boring, and every single chick flick has the exact same plot, how many of these, how many of these movies applaud the pretty wife uh, who leaves her boring accountant husband for the new hot guy at the office because she's following her heart? And they cheer it like it's a good thing. But your feelings don't dictate what you do, just like in Scripture we just read. Your feelings do not matter. According to Jesus, the first son was right uh, because he did what he needed to do, even though he initially didn't feel like doing it. He still did the right thing. You know, uh, we've got a decent amount of people here, but how come there aren't even more people in church tonight? And I think, honestly, it simply boils down to, at its simplest, they just didn't feel like it. They, uh, you know, I'm preaching to the choir because you all are here, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, how many people would rather stay home and watch TV or, you know, they, they retired from work, so they've been working all day or, you know, they wanted to clean the kitchen or whatever. But honestly, our feelings do not matter. We need to go to church regardless of whether we feel like it or not because our feelings do not motivate us. Uh, And thinking back on that scripture we read, uh, even though that Jesus said that the first son uh, was the one that was right, a lot of people, I think in this modern culture, praise the second son because, you know, he had good intentions. He said he was going to do it, but then he just didn't get around to it. But intentions are not everything. There's an old saying that says uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, You know, I was thinking about it, you know, uh, many wives get angry um, because their husband won't do or their husband, uh, not that their husband won't do what they ask, but rather that he doesn't want to do it. Now, uh, if Julie asked me to help the di- to do with the dishes or clean the house, I will do it begrudgingly. But. <laughs> If she's going to 
if she wants to wait until I feel like doing the dishes or until I feel like cleaning the house, it is not going to get done. And uh, our house would be an absolute pigsty because I have, uh, she was just talking about this the other day. We've got four boys at home, and they go behind us messing up the house as quickly as we can clean it. Because we've got four of them, and there's two of us. They've doubled us up at this point. Alex knows what he's got. Well, you got like 15 kids at home or something, don't you? (laughs) I don't know how they do it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Adrian is calm and kind and sweet. All of that good stuff, because we know it ain't Alex's fault. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, honestly, Julie, deep down, she could care less whether I want to do these things or not. She just wants them done. And so it doesn't matter what my uh, feelings are. The dishes have to get done, or there's not going to be anything to eat off of. And you all know I like to eat. In fact, the, you know, we got the pitching coming up on Sunday. That's like my favorite church event of the year. So hopefully, you all be here. <laughs> um, but Jesus, he said that the one, the first son, the one who kind of had the bad attitude but did the right thing, Jesus said he was the one that did the right thing because his feelings, his attitude, didn't matter. Many people, I think, hesitate to to volunteer in church because they can't find the perfect uh, position that they want to help in. Now, you know, rather than waiting for that perfect position, we need to just simply find a need in the church that needs met and meet it. Um, Because, you know, I was thinking about this. Ideally, my position uh, would be the taste tester for the pitchens. Because someone's got to test that food, you know. But I don't think they have an opening in that position at the moment. They don't see, and Ezra and, and Miss Renee are there in charge of the pitch, and they said they don't need help there. So, so that's why I'm preaching tonight, because they, they didn't have an opening for taste tester. But uh, show up early on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what we need to do is we need to find legitimate needs, even if it's something that we'd rather not do, and fill it. Maybe we don't all enjoy feeling like uh, picking up trash after service. Maybe we don't feel like the Lord has put the call on our lives of the trash picker upper after service, but it needs done. So someone, any of us, no one's above picking up trash after service. Uh, you know, maybe you don't always feel motivated or excited to change poopy diapers in the nursery. And Lord knows I've changed plenty of poopy diapers with four kids at home. My second uh, youngest is like a poop machine, and we won't go into that. But trust me, you don't want no part of that. But it's a need that needs met. And so even if you don't feel like you're called to change poopy diapers, they always, always, always need help changing poopy diapers uh, in the nursery. In fact, uh, is is Miss Norma in here tonight? She's in the nursery. Miss Norma is our nursery director. And uh, how many services are there per month? 12 services per month. Uh, of, of the 12 services per month, Miss Norma is working six or more every single month. So nearly every week she's in there every service because we don't always have enough people volunteering to help. So uh, if you need uh, 
the Lord to just come down and tell you that you're called in the nursery, let this be the Lord telling you, speaking through me, that you're called to work in the nursery. So I expect some of you to volunteer to be changing poopy diapers. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's, it's not fun, but it's not that hard. And half the time all you're doing is holding babies. Like, uh, uh, where's that, Amy? She always comes in and wants to hold our baby for us. And he's a good baby as long as he's being held. Um, but you know what? Just do what needs done. Another thing uh, is giving. Giving is something that should not be motivated by our feelings. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 7 uh, that um, we don't need to give out of compulsion. It says uh, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, but what Jesus, what the Bible does is in order to take feelings out of the equation, uh, the Bible has given every single Christian the exact same base amount that we're supposed to give. Does anybody know what the same, what the base amount that every Christian is supposed to give? 10%. The Bible calls it a tithe, and if you translate the word tithe from, uh, it literally just translates to 10, to a 10. So this is what leaves the guessing and the feeling out of it. Um, we're all supposed to at least give that 10%. And uh, there's the scripture says that uh, each of us are supposed to give what they've determined in their heart. And I think a lot of people uh, hear it and they think that the key word here is heart. But I think that the key word here is actually determined. We need to determine and decide to give despite our feelings. Uh, one definition of determined is just deciding to do something that you don't, don't really feel like doing. Uh, the, the scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, but I used to always hear this one preacher who would, uh, he'd read this scripture. He'd say, God loves a cheerful giver, giver uh, but he has no problem taking money off of a grump. So take that for what it's worth. Um, your feelings do not matter because we are just called to give, every single one of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so he expects us to be givers because the more that we're givers, the more we're like him. Uh, you know, we just had worship, and uh, a lot of people always talk, you know, they talk about, you know, wanting to learn how to play uh, an instrument, the guitar, piano, or whatever. But, you know, what's the difference between those of us up here and those of you who've always just wanted to, to, pl to play or sing? And I think ultimately it's that us musicians, we practice whether we feel like it or not. <laughs> I know Chuck, he's always telling me, because he's got uh, three kids at home too. Sometimes he has to wait till his kids get to bed at 10 or 11 at night, and then he'll sneak off to the back room and put his headphones in and start practicing uh, his bass. And it's just a different level of dedication. You know, we don't, we didn't quit our lessons just because when we're playing guitar, when you first start to play, it hurts your fingers. Uh, but we push through the pain, and it makes us better musicians, better uh, people because of it. I remember uh, when I was first learning to play the guitar, because my, my first instrument is the bass guitar, which uh, any chance I get, I play the bass guitar. But I went to a church that – was going to a church that already had um, a bass player. So they're like, if you want to play with us, you got to play the guitar. I'm like, well, I don't really know how to play the guitar, but I can figure it out. It can't be that hard, right? So I just showed up and started figuring it out. And uh, 
this song played a lot of like gospel-y old school songs, and they played them all in the key of E flat. And I remember that I hated it because that's like the hardest chord to play on the uh, guitar is the E flat for me. Um, and I used to complain all the time to the piano player, why can't we do like an easy key? And you know, she would always just, uh, she'd always just say, just suck it up and learn how to play the chords. It's not that hard. Um, and it used to make me so mad. I'm like, it's not that hard for you to put it in a normal person key instead of E flat. But uh, sorry, hang with my music mumble jumble. But you know, I would get so mad. But all these years later, when I'm up here, you know, being able to lead and play different instruments and stuff, I look back uh, on Cheryl, and I think, you know what, Cheryl? As mad as it made me, you were right. Even though I didn't feel like learning how to play E flat, I'm glad I did. Otherwise, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So ultimately, our feelings need to have no part in what we do. Our emotions and our feelings do not matter. Um, the second thing I want to talk about tonight is that our uh, feelings do not define us. Uh, let's flip over, if we can, to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This is uh, such a powerful scripture. Give you a second to turn there. I was just reading this one. This one to Jeremias as well. He's a... Uh, since he goes to the Christian school, they have like a Bible reading contest every month. So uh, I've been – last month uh, I didn't do like I was supposed to. And so he like came in like close to last in the in the Bible contest. And I'm like, wait, if I'm supposed to be uh, Pastor Josh now, I better – my son should not be coming in past in the, last in the Bible reading contest. So uh, I've been having him get up every morning and read the, script, the scriptures from the web, church website with me. So we read Hebrews uh, 4 the other day together. Um, and here it is. Uh, we'll look at verse 15. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And something that uh, our modern culture has told us is that our feelings are the most important things in our lives. If we feel like doing something, we should do it, they always tell us. You know, you do what feels right. And, uh, and th there are tons of evil, wicked things that, you know, even just a, a couple generations ago, people would have uh, not have thought twice about doing. But today, we have people who just feel like they need to follow their hearts, and they do whatever makes them happy. And so we have all of these uh, evil things going on in today's culture. And, and you know, we, they always feel like, you know, if, if you feel like doing something, if it makes you feel good, how could it possibly be bad? But... Instead of pointing out right and wrong, which, by the way, is the correct type of judging, is to tell something what's biblically right and wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing that. That's the biblical type of judging, which we should be doing. Um, but today what we do instead is we just relabel things so they don't sound as bad. So, uh, and, you know, in, instead of saying that it's an abortion, they'll say, well, it's just a choice. Or, you know, it's not really an affair. I was just following my heart. You know, it's not fornicating. It's sexual immorality. It's we're making love. It's not whatever 
blatantly evil sin you can think of. It's, it's just who I am. But fortunately, our feelings do not define us. Just because we feel like doing something does not mean that we have to do it. And we can see that uh, from that scripture we just read. It says Jesus faced all of the same temptations we did, but he never gave in to them. He faced all of these same thoughts, came to Jesus, but he never gave in. Now, a, a lot of modern psychologists have convinced us that uh, if we don't do what we feel, that it's bad, that, you know, that it's a horrible thing to suppress your feelings. But there have actually been studies that show just the opposite. Uh, there was a famous study uh, they did back, I think, like in the 60s or something like that called the marshmallow test. What they would do is they would stick a bunch of like four, five, six-year-olds in a room, and they would give them, put a marshmallow in front of them. And they'd say, uh, you can eat this one marshmallow now, or if you wait 15 minutes, if you can control yourself for 15 minutes, I'll give you a second marshmallow. And so, like you would think, like uh, half the people, half the kids gobbled it up right now, and half the kids waited, were able to control themselves and wait that 15 minutes and got the second marshmallow. And the interesting thing is, uh, this was like, you know, several years ago, they followed up with these kids throughout their lives, and the kids who had been able to uh, control themselves throughout their lives, even when they're adults, many, many years later, the ones that controlled themselves were much, much more successful in life than the kids who just wanted the instant gratification, who couldn't exercise any self-control of any kind. So, you know, it helps us uh, when you're able to, even from that, you can see it's just, it's important to be able to control ourselves, even for kids. Now, honestly, rather than, uh, you know, it being horrible to to suppress their your feelings, I think the real horrible people are the ones who are just unable to suppress their feelings. We have to be able to control ourselves. Can you imagine how awful it would be if everyone always did exactly what they were feeling at the moment? <laughs> I think Julie would have smothered me with a pillow like probably five or six years ago. Um, but she didn't, so you get to put up with me tonight. Um, but <laughs> why do people steal or commit adultery or whatever they do? Because they don't know how to suppress their feelings. And I think it's absolute insanity to think that it's bad to learn how to suppress our feelings and that we should always do what we what we feel. Now, uh, I am speaking to the church tonight, and I will, con- I will concede that if for people that are not Christians, I don't know, I am a Christian, so I don't, maybe the non-Christians literally cannot suppress their feelings. Maybe they literally, uh, literally cannot control themselves and have to do exactly what they're feeling. Uh, the Bible does tell us in Romans 6 that uh, before we became Christians, we were, Uh, slaves to sin. Um, But for those of us who have now found Jesus, uh, the same, it says in 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 the book of Romans that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living inside of us. Uh, It tells us further in Romans 6 that we're dead to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. Once you become a born-again Christian, you're no longer slave to sin. You no longer have that excuse that you can't control yourself. Um, Because your feelings do not define you. Maybe you feel like you're a loser or a failure. But just like we're reading, uh, singing tonight, we're going to see that victory no matter what. Romans 8.37 says that no matter what, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, no matter what we feel like. Uh, 
Romans 8.17 literally says that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Uh, as I was thinking about joint heirs, uh, a few months ago, or I guess it's been a couple years ago now, Julie and I went on a big, long vacation to Rhode Island. And while we were there, uh, we took the opportunity to tour some of these gigantic uh, Vanderbilt mansions. They are like some of the biggest houses you've ever seen. And they're just where these uh, super, super rich people lived like way back in the early late 1800s, early 1900s. And uh, one of the cool features was as they took us on this tour, they explained the differences uh, between the children of the Vanderbilts living and playing in the mansions and the children of the servants who took care of the mansions. Uh, And if we're thinking about us as being joint heirs, it means that we're not the children of the servants who are just living there and hoping that we don't mess up the floor and get in trouble. We're the children of the Vanderbilts. We're the children of the Most High God. Where we're sliding down that golden banister and have a, don't have a care in the world because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what we feel like. We are what the word says that we are. So you cannot let your feelings define you. Maybe you feel like God is a million miles away. But Hebrews 13.5 tells us that God never leaves us and never forsakes us. It doesn't matter what we feel like. God is always there with us. Some people think that they have no future because of how rotten their past was. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are gone and everything is now new. This is why we have forgiveness and, and redemption. It doesn't matter if we feel like it or not. Our feelings do not define who we are. The last thing I want to talk about just for a couple minutes here tonight uh, is number three. Our feelings do not control us. And uh, Pastor actually preached on this on Sunday, but uh, we'll go along with what he was preaching a little bit. Um, But some people continually struggle with the same sins over and over. And some people are even praying, you know, that God will take these evil feelings away from them. And I've got, for the people that are praying that God's going to take evil feelings away from you, I've, unfortunately, I've got some bad news. And it's that God is never going to take away evil feelings from you. And this is because simply God is not in the feeling business. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, Another way, uh, I love the way that pastor says this. He says uh, that we live by the word, not by our feelings. So if we're focusing on the feelings, then we're focusing on the wrong thing. And honestly, if, if you're focusing on the feelings, you'll never be set free. But. There is a way we can be set free. Let's look over real quick uh, at James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and flip down to verse 13. James chapter 1. And then, uh, sorry, we'll get to the good news in a minute, but let's just keep going with this thought on feelings. Um, It says in verse 13, it says, and remember when you're being tempted, 
do not say that God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Verse 14, this is important. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So these feelings, it says, they come from our sinful flesh. So the only way that you're ever going to get rid of these feelings, despite how much you pray that God will take away these feelings, the only way you'll escape these feelings is honestly if you die. Because dead men don't have feelings. But I don't think this is a viable solution for most of us. We got that Thanksgiving pigeon coming on Sunday, and we got to at least make it through that, right? Um, so if death is not a solution, then what is the solution? Uh, let's flip over, if we can, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Titus chapter 2. And uh, this is just a good scripture, but I'm going to read this one. I really love the way that this one reads in the, uh, the NIV. Um, and it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So we've all, hopefully all of us have been in here have received that grace from God that gives us salvation. And if you haven't uh, received that grace that gives us salvation, then come talk to me after service. I will gladly pray with you and lead you straight to Jesus. And that's the number one thing that we all need to do. But the cool thing about this grace uh, that gives us salvation uh, is what it does for us. Look in verse 12. It says, this grace, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So this this same grace that saves us, it doesn't God doesn't just save us and then send us out on our own. This grace gives us the power to say no to any worldly passions, to ungodliness. It teaches us to be self-controlled. So that's why I was talking earlier, maybe people that haven't received Jesus, maybe they literally can't control themselves. Maybe they have to go and do whatever they feel like. But for us that have received the grace of God, we don't have that excuse. God has given us this grace, which teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us, it helps us to be self-controlled. The grace means that it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter what we, uh, it doesn't um, matter what we feel, but grace is multifaceted. And one of the facets of grace is that we've got this special divine ability, this special gift from God to be able to say no. Maybe you feel like, you know, cursing uncontrollably, but that doesn't mean you, you can't help but curse uncontrollably because you have the grace of God. The grace of God teaches us to say no. And I praise the Lord for the grace of God because maybe Julie has many times felt like strangling me. But by the grace of God, she's learned to say no, and I live to see another day. I live to see another Thanksgiving pigeon. <laughs> maybe you, you really, you know, to be more serious, but maybe you feel like you really 
you just you know you just you have to cheat on your wife. But that doesn't mean that you can't help but cheat on your wife because we've got the grace of God which teaches us to say no. Maybe you feel like you you know you're seeing you know you really love your boyfriend and you're just going to make love to him and sleep with him. But that doesn't mean you can't help but sleep with your boyfriend. The grace of God has given us the power to say no. We're almost out of time here, but every time I talk about this, I always say, you know, Pastor alluded to it on Sunday. There's nothing wrong uh, with, with having sex, but you just have to get married first. And, you know, we've got a whole church full of reverence here that would be glad to, to help you get married. Or I don't care. Go to the courthouse. Just get married. Make it right. We do not have to do what we feel. And like we talked about at the beginning, the devil is not forcing you to do any of these things. The devil is not forcing you to sneak off to your computer to look at at dirty pictures in the middle of the night. The devil is not forcing you to say mean things to your wife. The devil is not forcing you to to curse and fly off the handle. The devil is not forcing you to to be rude and mean to your in-laws over the holidays. And y'all pray for me because my in-laws fly in on Friday. And I love my in-laws, actually. I just remembered. I really do love my in-laws. But Julie... I have to say, I, I really honestly do love my in-laws. I'm almost done here. But uh, they. I was always wondering why every time I preach, they text me afterwards and say, you, I, I enjoyed that. I'm like, oh, they must just be watching it. But Julie said it's because she tells him to, she sends him a text message and tells him to watch every time I preach. But uh, but I really do. I, lo- I have the best in-laws in the world. And I'm not just saying that because they're watching. Um, <laughs> but the Bible says that we've been given the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., etc. Ultimately, our feelings do not matter in the slightest because we don't have to do what we feel. To just reiterate, our feelings do not have to motivate us. Our feelings do not define us. And and most importantly, our feelings do not control us. So let's just keep that in mind. Uh, I'm out of time. It's... Eight o'clock, right on the dot. So let's uh, let's go ahead and stand up if we can. Um, just for, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and have the prayer team come up for just a minute if we can. I asked uh, Tom if he wouldn't mind uh, playing a quick song for us. And what we'll do is just if anybody needs prayer tonight, um, you can come up to see Des or I, or, uh, and we'll be glad to pray with you. And if not, just worship along just for a minute uh, with with this music Tom's going to play, and then we'll just take a couple minutes and wrap up the service. Go ahead.
go ahead and uh, get ready to, to close out tonight. Um, and I, I appreciate you all just being respectful as there's people, you know, being prayed for up here because, you know, if you were being prayed for, you would want the same respect. Um, so I appreciate that. But um, I just, I trust that you were all blessed uh, by the word tonight because ultimately it's not my word. It's the, the Lord's word and his word always accomplishes what it sets out to do. And I expect to see a lot more nursery volunteers after tonight it's not that hard to hold a baby for an hour so you guys can do it you can do it i trust that you can um don't forget that we do have the uh I'm, well i don't even have to remind you but we've got the church thanksgiving pitching on sunday which we're all very excited for or at least i am uh, uh brother robert did say that he needs a little bit of help uh if we can have some of the guys help set up some 
chairs. He was able to get the table set up, but he needs chairs put around the table. So if some of you men can stay around for a couple minutes afterwards um, and help set up with those tables. But um, let's go ahead and close out here. We'll just uh, go right into the Barstow Faith Confession. So let's, uh, let's go with that. Here we go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. And we will see you on.